This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. everybody and welcome to keep screaming a podcast where two best friends dissect horror movies one by one my name is ryan larson and this is my co-host b bass hello uh so we are here on week uh, i don't know i've lost track we're really getting pretty deep into it 14 um yes so technically like no. week 28 but it's 15. our 14th movie no 14 there's only 13 on the list oh yeah so yeah 14th this will be our 14th movie. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, what we do is we pick one slasher movie every week and completely dive into it. Um, we kind of go over every aspect of the film, uh, look at the history, kill by kill, um, really spoilery. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie now and then you can come back. And then at the end of every episode, we rank it on a list that you can find at our website, which is keepscreaming.com. You can also find us online. We're at ScreamingCast on Twitter and Instagram. And we have our own Twitter accounts. I'm at Ryan Larson. And B is at B, not B. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's B-E-E, not B-E-A. She's really B clever. the bug, not B Arthur from Golden Girls. B the bug? B the insect. There we go. Yeah. Bugs are insects. Sure. Uh, so before we launch into like our deep dive of the movie, what we do every week is a pop culture check-in where we kind of talk about things that we have been watching, reading, listening to, whatever, uh, to give you a better idea of who we are and what we enjoy outside of the horror genre or even just outside of the slasher genre, since that's mostly what we talk about here. And we're obviously big fans of horror in general, so we do watch a lot of things that aren't slashers. Um, so I'll just start because the big one for me is Avengers came out since the last time we recorded, went and saw it on opening night. Uh, I obviously will not spoil anything because I'm not an asshole and I think spoilers are lame, but everyone, if you are a fan of Marvel and a fan of superhero movies, you definitely need to go see it. I think even if you're not, you should go see it because it's pretty ballsy, uh, with what it does well, I mean, you have to be a fan because you can't just go into it and not see any Marvel movies. Yes, previously. you'll be pretty confused. Yeah. Um, like, whoa, who are all these people who are on the screen for like a couple minutes at a time? You don't need to watch like 18 of the Marvel movies, but I definitely suggest at least watching Captain America, all three of them, Iron Man, both the Avengers, and probably Black Panther. Those, I mean, those would be like the really necessary ones and throw Thor in there. Um, oh, and Guardians. So I guess there's a few, but... Go see it. It broke a billion dollars. I'm super excited for Marvel. I'm a huge comic book fanboy, so suck at Star Wars, even though I like Star Wars, but it's still cool that Marvel beat it. Um, fastest to a billion, uh, 11 days, which is awesome. And then on the completely opposite side of the spectrum, not a giant, huge blockbuster, but a Blumhouse movie that dropped onto Netflix uh, that our friend Ryan Turek produced, uh, Family Blood. I randomly caught it uh, because Turek tweeted about it, actually. And Netflix does a very bad job at promoting, like, new movies that aren't Netflix movies. Because it was, like, nowhere to be found on, like... It's not a Netflix original? It no. just is popping up on Netflix? Well, Blumhouse gave it to, like, Netflix as, like, the distributor. I thought when that happened, Netflix calls it an original because they're the first ones to distribute it. It didn't say a Netflix original. 
that's my can. Sorry, everyone. Um, it didn't say Netflix original, so I don't. Oh. I don't. Hmm. But I might have not been paying enough attention. Maybe because it's going up other places too, like on VOD. It might be on VOD. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel really bad. I forgot. Sunny Molly directed it. He did English with um like a couple years ago. But the fun part, if you grew up in the '90s like I did, Vanessa Shaw, who played Allison in Hocus Pocus, is the main character. So it was fun to see her because I haven't still seen super her. Hot. Yeah, but, well, she plays like a recovering addict in this, so she looks oh. a little emaciated. Yeah. Uh, but still hot. And then um, James Ransone from the Sinister series, he plays like the good cop. Uh, he was also in it. I also don't want to spoil this, but it is a very interesting, very, very bleak movie um, that is like a. I think it's a smart and like original look at vampires on um and like the way they do it uh actually i'll self-plug i wrote a review for it uh at ghastly grinning if you want to check it out but i would recommend watching the movie first um, i don't really think it's a self-plug if you're plugging yourself on your own podcast that's true yes um just to make you feel better so self awareness (laughs) i'm bringing awareness to myself today and I think that's all I watched. Um, not, I mean, I've been watching. He Blake. was in Disneyland, like a yeah. little. Oh yeah, I hole. forgot. I forgot. I was in Disneyland. That was his vacation. Yeah. That's why we recorded like pretty early last time. Yeah, so I did go to Disneyland. So, he was so gone. I did that, which was awesome. And oh, I re- I met Rebecca McHenry, who is one of the hosts of the Shockwaves podcast, which was super super awesome. Um, and I wrote Han Mansion a bunch of times. So like, I even did genre related stuff in Disneyland. Yeah. And other than that, I've just been watching Boy Meets World on Hulu. Yeah, Yeah. so you had a TV week. Yep. I watch a few things, a lot of TV still. Um, So I caught up on Handmaid's Tale, um, which is a Hulu original show based on the book by Margaret Atwood. Um, Stars Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men fame. So I'm loving that because I'm still in a deep depression over Mad Men being over. There's a hole in my heart. That will never be healed. But it's great to see. I think she's spectacular and incredible and all of those amazing adjectives to describe. What's her name again? Te- Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth. She was in a movie with um, Mark Duplass. Oh. Oh. Um, it's like really Not weird. Digging for Fire, but it's like a kind of a horror It's like very genre it's really good. related. And like. At oh, first look you- it up. At first, you think it's like um, like a marital like dispute. Like it kind of seems like oh, they're having problems. Like yeah, married. but it takes like a different twist. But it goes like super into like a thrill. The, the one, one I, I love. love. Yeah, yeah. two thousand fourteen. Yeah, they label it as like a fantasy mystery. Super good. Mm-hmm. Definitely check that out. Speaking of Elizabeth Moss. Oh, and Ted Danson's in that. I love. Oh, love Ted Danson. He's so good tough. place. Yeah, amazing. Um, so I caught up on that, and it's just as disturbing as ever. And, uh, I mean, I think the reason why the show got produced now, even though the book was written in the 80s, is because it's pretty topical. Uh, Beautiful performances. And one of those shows that, for the most part, I haven't been watching TV that I have to sit down and pay attention to. My lifestyle just hasn't promoted that. And that's why I've been, like, lacking on watching a lot of movies because I like to watch them and literally pay attention to them and do nothing else. And this is one, I was really, really sick, um, not last, well, it actually lasted yeah, like six or seven days. I was pretty damn sick. So I spent like most of last weekend in bed and I caught up on Hands Made Tales. So it was perfect time because I could actually like pay attention, but highly recommended. Episode three is up on Hulu. 
um, it's worth your Hulu subscription. They have a lot of great stuff on there too. A lot of horror too. Um, but uh, I watched the original Carrie with Sissy Spacek. Um, yeah, Brandon yeah. Palma directed it. It's a great movie. I, after reading Carrie um, a couple weeks ago, I wanted to revisit the movies because I was never like a huge fan of the original. Oh man, I love um, it. And I think that was because I actually ended up watching the 2001 or something version first. The one that... Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that, that um, Fuller did? Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, so that's was, and it's like, that movie, if I, I haven't watched that yet, but I remember, like, not loving it, and then immediately I watched the Sissy Spacek one, and I was like, I think I just, like, wasn't ready, and it was too repetitive, way too similar, and I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not crazy about this, like, I, I like it. How old were you when you... High probably, school? I think, yeah. I think, like... The the further we come along in cinema, like in film, it's you have to. It's really hard sometimes to go back and like go to a movie that was made in, in the seventies and be like, have the patience for it. I think you have to teach yourself. So that. the movie is really strange. Yeah, it's the super way it's weird. put together, yeah. the score is really weird. Mm-hmm. And really off-putting and very different from most movies I've ever seen. And that's not something I really recall until I, like, went and revisited it. Um, but it, the whole thing kind of has this, like, super off-putting vibe. But Sissy Spacek's performance in that movie is out of this world. And beautifully in tuned with the novel itself. Mm-hmm. And... It's always hard when you're comparing a novel and uh, adaptation, but I think it is a very good one. I don't, I think, I I still favor the book and think the book offers a little bit more sympathy on, like, the Sue character. Um, I think it's very rare, very rare to find a movie that you like more than the book. I I, just, I think ideally you like them both for different reasons. Right. That's how we've always It's always felt so much about, harder like, with a, a, a movie, especially when you have a book. And Carrie's not even that big. But when you have a book where you can dive into so many different character aspects yeah. and it's like you can't really explore that in movies. No. You but can't. I, like, like all Stephen King's novels pretty much, I mean, at least all the ones that I've really read, he tells it from the perspective of numerous characters. Mm. And the in the book in the movie you really get it just from Carrie's perspective, mm-hmm. and so of course you're gonna lack a few of the layers of the other characters' developments because you're only seeing it from her. But um, I definitely came away liking it a lot more than my memory had, mm-hmm. and really appreciate. I mean, seeing a really young John Travolta is super weird. I think, yeah. I didn't, I, I forgot he was in it. I was like, holy shit, that's John Travolta, like, playing, like, the really despicable bad guy. I, I saw it, I revisited it, it's been forever, but uh, probably, like, six years, five, five, six years ago, and I remember, even then, it was, going into it, that viewing, I was like, oh, this is a good movie, but I've never, like, loved Carrie. Yeah. And then I came out of it, and I was like, no, that movie's amazing. Like, no, it what is. what was I thinking? Because that movie is fantastic. And I understand. And I think you like, are right. The Some... Palma love. So, I know, and I want to, like, as soon as I finish watching it, I'm like, I need to, like, dive into De Palma's, like, discography and watch his other stuff, too, because visual, the way it was put together was really intriguing and really unnerving, and it helped. It's super jarring. Yeah, it yeah. helped uh, tell the story 
really from like the cinematic director's point of view versus just from the actors, which I always appreciate. Um, so I, I plan to, I'm going to watch the, the Chloe Grace Moretz oh, one next. I hate that movie. And I don't know. I mean, I liked that movie when it came out. I didn't love it. There was thing I didn't really like the finale. Um, Ansel Aglehort, right? He's in it. I, but I didn't remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't know who he was at that time. So, now like, I do. what you just said about Carrie, like De Palma's version of Carrie, to me, how you're like, oh, it's like you know, like you're saying it's from the director's view. Like to me, the and if you like this movie, that's fine. But to me, the Chloe Grace Moretz version of that movie is <clears throat> what happens when you. Literally, they're just like, I'm making this into a movie. Like, I saw no, like, there was no vision, you know? Yeah. Like, that sounds super pretentious to say, but, like, it felt like this is an adaptation of this book. It wasn't like this is... An interpretation. In, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I remember thinking and Julianne more Moore of a modern was really thing. good. So that's the thing. And probably what keeps with me is I think Julianne Moore is one of the most talented actresses out there that we have yeah i think she's spectacular when she finally won an academy award for still alice i was like finally like she does not get the credit she deserves and i from my memory and i am partial to her but i liked her performance more as the mom that i did in the original carrie mm-hmm. i didn't think the mom and carrie the the original one sissy's basic i don't know the actress's name was was eccentric and volatile enough when, especially if you're looking at the novel, I mean, she literally blames Carrie for her, she thinks Carrie's her biggest sin, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. and punishes her for that mm-hmm. her entire life. And I don't think that sort of eccentric, volatile, uh, over-the-top, religious type of character really came across as much and i think julianne moore is really good at doing that yeah see i remember thinking yeah. she was the best part of that movie well and chloe grace Moretz is not the best actress she, she's not she's, she's kind of bland she's she can be pretty wooden yeah. um and also and it's I, really glossy and I, meant to be well, like a prom and I movie i also really and... like i remember the dialogue sucked a lot <laughs> it's a part and you'll if you, you yeah it, you'll i'm it. hoping i'll watch it for the next episode i can talk about it but there's a part where he's like, hey, I was looking for you, and they said you'd be in the library, so I came to the library, and you're here, which is good, because I was looking for you. I'm like, what was that what? sentence? A little blood, it's something blood rage like, dialogue. It's like that. I was yeah. like, oh my god, I can't. I can't with this. Yeah. So I'm going to explore that path, and then I'm going to, pro- I know on Shockwaves they talk to Fuller about his script for Carrie and how they like a saw i think rob g was like yeah yeah i i get what you were trying to do and he's like yeah no 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 like i'm not even gonna defend it um so i'll eventually get to that one that was a tv movie yes. though i think i think it was made for i USA. mean we're, we're covering a tv movie tonight so that doesn't dismiss tv movies no. um i on that note though i really wanted to make sure i watched the original carrie too because riverdale just did a carrie musical episode um and I loved it. It was super great. It wasn't so much the story of Carrie. Um, it was, but I think they just did such an excellent job of tying in the story of Carrie with each of the plots of what the characters in Riverdale were going through at the time. So they pulled the storylines that is affecting the characters in the show. And they're like, okay, this, what's what we have going on with... Um, Veronica is kind of related to this part in Carrie. And so they make her sing a song about it. 
So it's really fun to see how they tie in the drama of Riverdale with the drama of Carrie. Plus, I fucking love musicals. Mm -hmm. And it really just made me um, want more musical episodes and made me want, like, a musical horror show, which would be so great. Um, I we think need more horror musicals. There's we not do. a lot. Well, and then that made me think, like, God, I want to revisit Stage Fright. And, like, I... I, I really like Revo, the genetic yes. opera as well. So I love I love combining those two things because when you think of horror and you think of musicals, you think of them on completely separate spectrums. But there's so much emotion in musicals that it ties in perfectly with the distress and agony that is in horror. So I think they're the perfect pair. And I love both of them. And that episode had such a like dark high school musical feel to it. And it was right up my alley. And like I definitely like went on Apple Music and downloaded the the soundtrack and I'm loving it. Also made me think like they don't hire actors who can't sing anymore. Like every single character is singing in that show except oh, yeah. for Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse yeah. Who we know if you like watch Disney Channel, they they used to do like they'd put all the different stars from the different Disney shows and they'd sing like a classic song. And yeah. so I think Circle of Life is one that him and Dylan are both in, and they literally sing for like two seconds in it because Sweet Life was huge and they wanted them in the song, but they can't sing. And so I think oh Jughead uh, is is uh, filming oh. the whole thing. He's doing a documentary on it, so. And, I mean, it makes sense that Jug wouldn't be in the musical. Yeah. But, anywho, I just thought that was hilarious. Um, I checked out this movie on Amazon Prime. It's labeled as um, Anna. And it, it stars um, Taisa Farminga. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yes. I know this So, movie But now. when I tried to look it up on Letterboxd, it was called Mindscape. Mindscape. Probably, like, it's international title. Yeah, Mindscape is a more appropriate title for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anna is how it appears on yeah, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay It came out in 2013. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a mystery. It's got, like, a, um, I think he's a Spanish um, director. Uh, it... It was fine. I mean, I enjoyed it. I really enjoy mysteries. Um, the twist was super predictable, but great performances and a cool plot. It's about a a man who can go into people's minds and see their memories. And so he's trying to, he goes to this girl named Anna and kind of this stupid subplot of like she's on a food strike because her she's trying to show that her parents are abusing her or something and he comes to find out like she's kind of this twisted girl and she's been accused of all these things and so he's trying to go through her memories and figure out if she is innocent which he thinks she is or if she really isn't and how he discovers that and I love movies. It, it it falters at points and it, it doesn't have the best finale, but the path to get to that finale is still really interesting. So I definitely think it's worth watching, even if the payoff isn't quite there. And I do love a unique concept like this. And I just enjoy sort of those um, sci-fi alt-reality um, stories. So for that, I did really enjoy it. I feel like she's kind of in typecast, Tessa Farmiga, at this point. Um, so I, I guess her role well, in Final Girls was way different than. What yeah, she, she plays. plays like the. I um, really like she's her. great in Final Girls, and I'm not 
I, I have my issues with American Horror Story. I've never followed it all the way through except the for season. the first yeah, season. Which is great. Um, but even then, I wasn't crazy about her. Um, I love her sister, Vera Farminga, from the Conjuring series, Bates Motel, mm-hmm. which is one of my fave shows. I think she's spectacular. Um, so I'd like to see Tayson more stuff and see if I can expand my thoughts on her, but I haven't loved her work in American Horror Story. She's going to be in The Nun. Oh, well, there you go. Following in her sister's footsteps, I guess. There we go. Gary Doberman's writing that? He wrote it. So, that's exciting. Oh, nice. Um, I think that's it. Oh, I finally finished Friday the 13th. The first Um, one. The first one. And it just reminded me how much I love a crazy female killer. And, uh, sorry, spoiler, guys. Yeah. Oh, man. 30-year spoiler. Yeah. Um, Jason's not the killer in the first movie. Yeah, if you've ever watched Scream. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I finally finished it, and I came out liking it a lot more than... I, I think Ryan and I both, as we're like re-going back into Friday the 13th, are finding more things to love about the mm-hmm. series than... W- I think for us, it's just we always thought the series was overhyped as slashers and like, oh, but it's not the best. And everybody thinks Jason's the best. And we're like, no, he's not the best. But... I'm really enjoying it, and I think we're both trying to, like, get through the series this summer, so. Jason, it's funny, he is nowhere near, he's not, like, of iconic slashers, not even close to the top of my list. I, I mean, I, I'll i take, I'm Ghostface, is number one. But then, like, Freddy oh. and Michael. Oh, yeah. And, like, Jason falls somewhere around there. Like, he's, like, with Chucky, where I'm, like, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, like, love Chucky. I love, uh... Brad Dorff's performance as Chucky. I don't love Chucky, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny because, like, everyone knows that, too, and I have more Jason merch. Like, people buy me Jason shit all the time, and I'm like, he's not even my favorite. Like, like, but I think it's just the easiest to find. No, he is the most iconic slasher, for sure. I mean, sure, Michael Myers is huge, but I think I it's feel... because of Jason's mask. It just yeah. makes it easy. The hockey yeah. mask. Also, after the new Halloween comes out, I think Michael will be, like, back. Yeah. In a big way. Michael will come back. Which uh, is great because Halloween's a masterpiece. Yeah, but and Friday the Third, and that's the difference is I think Halloween genuinely is a masterpiece of a film in so many aspects, and Friday the Thirteenth is fun, but there's nothing about that—not the performances, not the score, not the direction, not the script—that I think is great. I think it's just a fun movie and a fun story, which right. obviously sets up a pretty cool universe and eventually sets up a cool killer, mm. but. As a film, and as a whole, it is not Scream. It is not Halloween. It is not Nightmare. Um, so I think that's where I get, we, I, both of us kind of get like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Like, well, Jason's like, cool, but. When I look at Friday It's not 13, superior films. Yeah. When I look at Friday the 13th, I'm like, this is fun, and I like Jason. When I look at Halloween, it's like, when I look at Halloween, I'm like, this is an excellent film mm-hmm. it's like when i look at jaws and i'm like this isn't one of the best horror movies of all time it's, it's one, one of the, the best, best movies, movies of all time films, yeah so and that's halloween's like pretty high up there for me so yeah uh cool so the movie we are going to watch this week which by the way is very hard to track down um you could shell out about like 13 bucks for um a not great i actually read reviews on the dvd copies and they were really bad because it looked like i guess they were a straight transfer um like someone recorded it off the tv uh but it's my super psycho sweet 16 from 2009 uh it was a made for tv movie on mtv back when their show my super sweet 16 was huge 
Um, and they probably had at the tail end of it, though. Yeah, definitely yeah. at the tail end of it. And it was also when they were kind of starting to explore original, original content, content yeah. um, outside reality shows. So yeah, they came up with my Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen. You you can't find it on Apple iTunes. You gotta like trick your server into thinking you're not in the U.S. because for some reason it doesn't want you to buy it. But it's only like three bucks if you can buy it, and the quality is actually really good. Yeah, and then you can't buy the DVD from Amazon. Yeah, um, and the second and third one are also on iTunes. Uh, but other than that, it's impossible to find. It is very very hard to find. Um, Paramount actually was supposed to put a Blu-ray of it out and never did. Um, there was, did we, cool, you got to, the, I was going to talk about that, but I, I was jumping ahead, I was jumping ahead of the door right here, my bad. Uh, so the synopsis is, a spoiled teen's birthday bash turns killer after she convinces her parents to reopen a roller skating rink where murders took place. Um, came out October 23rd, 2009, definitely a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss made-for-TV Halloween movies. It used wow. to be... We've talked about it, because Ryan said that, and I'm like, well, besides The Hollow, which was an ABC Family Halloween made-for-TV movie that we both love yeah. and have a huge soft spot for. If you've never for. seen it, go. Um, Nick Carter's in it, Kelly yeah. Kuoko's in it. It's great. It's um, Halloween-based. Kevin Zegers. Yeah. Yeah, super good. Um, but yeah, I, there haven't been... Like a, a bunch of them, but... Disney used to make a lot, which are Well, now, of course, yes. Which were never like... I mean... So, don't Look Under the Bed has some actually frightening moments in it. And Under Wraps and Ho- oh, not Hocus it. Pocus wasn't. Um, no. It seemed like it was because it got played on Disney all But the it was time. a theatrical release. Halloween yeah. Town. Yeah, Halloween Town. Um, Twitches. Uh, Phantom of the Megaplex. Yeah. Yeah, all those. So they used to, like, growing up, again, if you're a child in the 90s, growing up, like, it was pretty common to get Halloween, and we still get Halloween-themed stuff, like TV shows do it. But, but like, not like we used to. Like, I mean, Nickelodeon, like, every single day was, like, different Halloween stuff, like, showing different Halloween episodes of things. And, like, the Disney Channel was showing, like, uh, also Halloween episodes, but they had their Disney Channel original movies. And, what like, after a certain amount Even of years... Even the interludes would be Halloween-themed. Yeah. And, um, is... and, like, more networks, it just seemed like we're more interested in it. I think it used to be a bigger draw. Um, you know, like sci-fi, you always used to make one. Um, and now we get 31 Days of Halloween on ABC Family, but they show Harry Potter for like half of them. Like, it's not a Halloween movie. It's just magic. Yeah, it's just magic. I mean, trust me, I'll watch Harry Potter anytime, yes. but... Yeah, but it's not it's a It's like movie. Adam's Family and Harry Potter, and that's about it. I know, it drives me nuts. I'm like, ugh. Um, but yeah, so it was made for TV, made for M- MTV. Uh, it had a $1.5 million budget. No box office, obviously. Um, but... Successful enough to spawn two sequels. Yeah. Uh, very successful for their ratings on the network, which is basically what the box office means if it's TV. Mm-hmm. Um, audience reception was good. I mean, it was catered. They catered to who they needed to cater to. Yeah, exactly. Which was te- young adult female specifically. Um, if what. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a Dread Central review. It's two two and a half stars, but too much of my super psycho sweet 16 is just regurgitating of teen movie cliches with the emphasis more on the romantic triangle and teen bullying side of the plot than the mass psychopath randomly hacking and slashing party patrons. That's true. It is true. But um, that's part of the fun of this movie and part of what makes it a teen scream is that they spend a lot of time on 
getting to know the characters and their dynamics that has nothing to do with who's slashing. Right, and it's still on MTV. Yes. Movie. So, like, they, it very much plays to the And it's based on a show about spoiled rich kids yeah. and their birthday parties. But I love, I do love that, like, MTV took a show that they created that was about spoiled rich kids on their birthday and made fun of it. Like, yeah. made fun of these people, these characters in it, which I thought, I thought that was good. Um... What is this on the poster note? Not really a poster, more of a scene still. Oh, okay. So the poster for this, and the other one has like legit staged the second and the third third one. one. Okay. So in the first one, um, you just see the poster is, it's like blue and you got like a lens flare coming out and you can see the shape of a body. And then in the upper right hand corner, you see in the forefront, Chris Zyka, Zilka, who plays like, the love interest, he's like forefront, and then you kind of see the final girl, our main actress, behind him, and then the bad girl behind him, our mean girl. So it's kind of a weird setup. Composition-wise, it is cool because they're like screaming, and you can you can see that they're afraid of this figure, but you can't see the figure. So all that's cool, but as a poster, it's a little weird. And it really does look like it's just a still from the film. And then the typeset, my super psycho sweet 16 over it. The typography is fine. The taglines is a party to die for. Super generic. Yep. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a tagline for 50 other slashers. Yep. Any slasher Um, with a party. (laughs) Exactly. Which is one of the not necessary but very common themes as a slasher is that there is a final party scene where most of the killing takes place Mm -hmm. that's this film um so it's kind of a weird poster they do a better job on the sequels there are two sequels my super psycho sweet 16 2 and 3 and yes it is a mouthful um and they stage it up a little bit and they use like uh photo uh like studio photos of the actors and it kind of makes it look a little bit more fun and campy which is what it is Um, it's definitely like campy uh but it knows it yeah um if you hear me typing it's because b accidentally put in our notes that harry manfredini did the score for this which i can promise you he didn't um and i don't even think i didn't think i saw a score and so that's why i didn't fill that in on our so notes. it mostly doesn't have a score but one thing we took away <laughs> from it is we're watching it and so like it starts the movie starts um with like our main character sky and her father who we find out like from the beginning is the killer his name's charlie rotter and he runs the skating rink and like it's medieval themed and so the movie because it came out in 09 and i think it said like 10 years later it's not 10 years later because she's not 19 it's like six some weird amount of yeah. later so she's like nine when it happens so like it's supposed to be like 2000 basically yeah. when they're in the skating rink because like these like douchebag teenagers are like making out and like trying to break into the pinball machine and the song comes on and i'm like i think this is fucking nookie by Limp biscuit and she's like no there's no way they got the rights for nookie that's so expensive and i'm like no mtv made this so they already had the rights for all that shit yeah and it was fucking Nookie by Limp Biscuit, and the whole soundtrack. I hate. I hate Limp Biscuit. By the way, I do not like Nookie. I don't like. I, I don't like no Nookie. I, I don't like that song. I don't like Limp Biscuit. But the soundtrack is actually pretty solid because that uh, MTV was able to just pull the rights for all those songs. So if especially 
for the time. They had All American Rejects, they had Thrice, AFI, uh, Limp Biscuit, um, a bunch the, of other people. Just if, tons if it of was bands. that time, we oh, the honor roll. I remember that Mike Snow, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then of course Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba plays because it's also supposed to be like the early, late nineties, early two thousand. Um, what is that song called? Tub Thumping. Yeah, Tub Thumping. Oh, I get knocked down, but if again, yeah. never gonna keep me down. Um, but it's it's cool because Chumbawamba. I feel like we that definitely movies don't do that very often where their soundtrack is. Like songs like that, you usually see songs like that play over credits. Yeah, and it was cool because since it was made for TV, like for MTV, they were able to just pull all those songs. Yeah, um, so it super played into kind of the theme of everything, especially since they're at a roller rink. And I don't know if you guys ever went to a roller rink. We used to go. I mean, we, I was a we huge went last part year for. Oh yeah, I mean, we just yeah. went a few months ago. Um, but we had a roll. We had a roller rink in our hometown. What a roller rink is is just a oval where everyone can skate two songs and so it was cool that they were able to play like actual songs that people were listening to in this movie and still set it like give it that theme of roller rink which i think is a really like fun unique kind of setting for something well and also in this film it's like a medieval roller rink so if you have your birthday party at this roller rink the owner comes out in a like medieval king's like Costume, really creepy king costume. Yeah, with like a little mask on, and he will come. I dropped my phone. <laughs> I, I dropped my phone. He will come and give you a cake, and yeah, ours was not uh, no. medieval themed. It was just uh, it was like regular old nineties roller rink. It was nineties themed. It was it, it was had really of the bad time. carpet and um, old arcade machines that barely worked and air hockey. They played a lot of. I remember I had, like, my first birthday party there, and my sister's um, dedicated um, God Must Have Spent a Little Bit More Time on You by NSYNC, because it was my birthday, because so you could dedicate songs to people, so I'd always be like, oh, we're going to dedicate a song to you, and for whatever, I was, like, six or something, and for whatever reason, when the song came on, and I was like, oh, this is for the birthday girl from your sisters, and I was, like, on the rink, like, by myself at that time, and so it was just me roller skating to NSYNC, like an NSYNC ballad by myself. Oh, so the saddest. Yeah. <laughs> the saddest birthday that's ever But I was existed. like having a blast and I was like, oh my God, this is so sweet. I love NSYNC. My sisters, like, thank God, spent more time on me than other people. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a little insight into my mind. The director is Jacob Gentry, who I was pretty surprised to see that he, like, made a big movie not that long ago. It tanked. But it was a huge budget movie, Synchronicity, that Johnny Depp... I thought that Depp was a show. No, it was the movie with Johnny Depp. No. Yes. No, that's Transcendence. Wait, what's Yeah, Synchron- this is a show. Oh. Oh, I got them mixed up. Okay, what was... Yeah, it's a TV show. It's sci-fi noir. Oh, I do remember yeah. that show. Okay, I was thinking that dumb Johnny Depp movie. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's my bad. He still made the signal, which was actually like a... Uh, yeah, I remember that. Mildly successful in genre 07. movie. Yeah. yeah so a, before this. Yeah. And then he did part two and three of the franchise as well. Yeah. And he has something on the books right now he's working on. Yeah. He's a he's a genre guy. Yeah. Like, um, he plays around in, like, horror and sci-fi. 
Um, the writer is Jed Elinoff, who did mostly TV. I don't know what Raven's home it's, is. So that's so Raven. You remember that show on Disney Channel with Raven Simone, where she was psychic? Yeah. Well, now Raven is a mom and has oh, her own psycho. Psycho. She has her own psycho kid. Psychic kid. So it's like it's kind of like Girl Meets World. Like yeah. Just taking that show and fast forward. Yeah, and then he did R.L. Stein's like The Haunting Hour TV show, like some Scooby show. Doo stuff, and then I other Disney Scooby stuff. Doo. And then the other guy who wrote this is Scott Thomas, and upon research, it looks like they're just writing partners because all of his credits are the same as Jed's. Gotcha. So, writing partners. Um, TV. They're TV guys. But, but still, also genre. Yeah, they've done some genre stuff. like uh, the They did Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc., and if you guys have never seen Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc., it's on Netflix. Very it good. is excellent because it's like one of the only Scooby-Doo shows with an overarching plot. Yeah. So episode to episode, you have a mystery like you would a regular... It's like Kim Possible did that. You would have an overarching Mm storyline that they would solve, which was one of the reasons why Kim Possible is one of my favorite cartoons when I was younger, because I was like, oh, this matters. It's not just every episode's individual, which is successful and necessary for a lot, but Scooby-Doo Mystery, Inc., the first episode starts you up with season-long mystery. Yep. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, it's super, very it good. super good. I've seen it a few times. Um, Thanks, Scooby-Doo Girl. Yeah. yeah. I love Scooby-Doo. Uh, the cast, so um, Juliana Gill, uh, who is actually, it's funny, she's not our like final girl. She's, she's not the, the lead. She's the birthday girl. Yeah, she's the birthday girl. Her name's Madison Penrose in the in the film. Um, she's billed first, and, it, and I'm... I'm Nearly 100% sure it's because this was also the year that Friday the 13th came out, which she was in. Yes. Um, so they gave her top billing because she would definitely have been more, like, in the, like, public eye. My favorite is that, so in Friday the 13th, like, one of our, run, we watched that. The 2009 version, the remake, is Ryan and I's favorite. Mm-hmm. We watch it often. Yeah. I mean, I watch it every Friday the 13th pretty much. Um, but we always have, like, the, the running joke that she's the only one who has nice breasts. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody else who shows her boobs in that film, they're, like, really fake and gross. And hers, when she takes her top off, they're like, oh, yeah, she has really nice boobs. And maybe because I know that, this movie was hilarious because you can tell she has very large breasts. Mm-hmm. You can tell they're constantly, like, trying to oh, all squish them down. all dresses are, like, pinning yeah, them Yeah, and yeah. hide them and make them look smaller because... She's playing a She's playing a 16-year-old girl. She was 22, what, I think we looked it yeah, up. Yeah, so it's not it a huge age difference, but they definitely, which I thought was good, they definitely didn't sexualize any of these oh, girls. Oh, no, no, not at None all. None of them were sexualized whatsoever because they, they're 16. Yeah. And I'm really happy that they didn't... They did weird stuff. Yeah. With the best friend, yeah. which we will get to, but they but didn't they sexualize, didn't sexualize any of the girls. Yeah. Um, which like I, the most like sexy thing that happened is like making out. Yeah. Which is fine. It's like when... That's a normal thing 16-year-olds do. It's like when we were watching Slatter High and like Ben, B's husband, was like... Because we said something about them being naked, and he's like, do you want to like looking at a six-year-old naked? We're like, you know what? You're right. Okay. Creepy. Weird. <laughs> yeah, that never, is creepy. No. Never thought of it like that. Uh, Lauren McKnight is Sky Rotter, who is our actual main character, our final girl. Uh, she did not do much after this. No. She's been in, like, episodes here and there. She was in an episode of King Wolf. That's yeah. all I remember. Um, Chris Zilka, Zyka. I Sorry, She's like Chris. the most famous. Oh, easily. Um, um, yeah. Very time. genre. So Shark Knight 3D, which I is super fun. Piranha 3 Double D, which is not a lot of fun. Um, funny, 
little plug is that he's in Welcome to Willits, which is a... A very low, like... Super low-budget horror movie, yeah. but I haven't watched it because I watched the trailer and I'm like, no, I'm not going to waste my time with this. No offense. But I don't actually think it's really horror. I think it's more like sci-fi comedy, um, even though it was tried, it was pretty much billed as it. But part of what we have an attraction to it is Willits is a town that is about 15 minutes from our hometown. It's a very small town part of the Emerald Triangle, so weed culture is really big where Incredibly we're from. Incredibly well known for marijuana. Yes, um, and Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit? <laughs> Seabiscuit is from Willits. Did not know that. Yes. I've the premiere seen, was I've in Willits. that movie. That's really sad. It's a very good movie. Yeah, I don't like Tobey Maguire. It's still a really good movie. Um, and it was premiered in Willits. Does he shoot webs from his hands? Yes. While riding the horse? Yeah. Okay, then I'll while, watch it. While he's a jockey. Saving Anywho, I thought, a baby from running really I think it's funny that he's in that really low budget movie that has a very, it's not filmed in Willits. Um, it wasn't I, even filmed there? No. Come on. So that's why I was like, well, it'd be fun to watch it because there are movies that are filmed where we're from and so it's fun to watch because we're like, oh yeah, we've been there. Um, which is cool when you're from a small town, if you're from, like, L.A. or New York. It's cool when you're from a big town, living in SAC for five years and then seeing Lady Bird. I was like, oh, this yeah. is fucking cool. No, it is cool. There need to but, be more movies in SAC. But that's what I'm saying. I guess I should specify it's cool when, if you live in L.A., you see L.A. in movies constantly. Yeah. Or New York. Or if you live in a town Atlanta that's not filmed or something. a lot. But, yeah, we live in Sacramento, and it's never filmed. It was very cool to, like, see, like, things I drive past every day in Lady Bird. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Um, and knowing that they were actually filmed here. Yeah, I wish they filmed that in Willits. Yeah. And then it was in that show, Secret Circle. Yeah. So all he does a lot of genre stuff. Fun fact, he was dating Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars. And I remember there was like kind of drama when they broke up. I like followed them on Instagram. But even more fun fact is that now he is engaged to Paris Hilton, which I think is so rando. And he proposed to her on New Year's Eve, like in the snow. And her ring is the size of her hand it's massive so i highly doubt that my super psycho sweet 16 paid for that rock but it's look it up guys it's huge it's distracting like her when they make that joke like oh your left hand must be heavy now it's got to be heavy it's massive also even more fun fact his name is brig in this movie (laughs) b-r-i-g-g isn't isn't that the name of the bad guy in that brink movie Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I that's just, just like, like the, the standard of a ship. TV movie bad guy name. But he's not even the bad guy. Oh, no. He's a love interest. He's yeah. like the good guy. I kept, I was huh. like, Brick or Brig? Neither is good. <laughs> like, neither is a great name. But I was like, what is it? It's Brig. Uh, Matt Angel oh. is Derek. And Derek <laughs> is fucking Sky's best, best friend. I'm he's putting quoting. quotes, air quotes. This guy is the fucking creepiest. <laughs> Like, like, so... We kept... So Ryan and I just sat, and if you follow us on Instagram, I storied it. Ryan and I were sitting on this couch watching this on his laptop because he couldn't figure out his TV. And we just kept looking at each other and going, like, what the fuck is this? Because if Ryan ever acted that way toward me, like, peace, goodbye. No No, fucking way. So B and I are male and female best friends and have been for... Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. And... (laughs) <laughs> and, like, apparently Derek and Sky have been best friends forever, like, since her dad went on a murder spree. And he's still, like, 
She literally was like, I can't leave you in my room because you go through my underwear drawer. What the fuck? He's like, Arlo did that once. And I'm like, what? Once is still too many. That's and way like, too many times. And like, he tells her one point and she like laughs it off. He's like, yeah, you're filling in that A cup. Yeah! I was like, what the fuck is happening in this? He spends the entire movie trying to get in her pants. And and it's not like, it's not even like Ducky from um, Pretty in Pink. Pretty, yeah, I get yeah. those movies mixed up. It's not even like Ducking Pretty and Pink where he's like in love with her. He is just, he wants to have sex. Yeah. Period, period, the end. So he's just constantly hitting on her, even though he really just wants to have sex. Yeah, it has nothing to do with her. It's not it like has, he's in love with her. It's not endearing at all. Oh, no, 0% endearing. It's so creepy. And like as soon as, it's, as soon as she shuts him down and she always like laughs it off, it's not even like, not even a beat goes like, and he's like on to some other girl. Yeah. And just the whole movie getting like denied. And then like I dude, like three quarters of the way through the movie, she like calls him or he calls her, I can't remember, and she's like freaking out because she's pretty sure like something's going on. He's like, I just made out with this girl and it was incredible. And I'm like, Oh my I can't with this fucking guy. Like, yeah, he's not a good friend. He's just wants to be with her because he's he he's best best friends with her because he just is hoping that he's gonna get in her pants from that way. And they even like when the synopsis is like, oh, the or the one of the reviews was like, oh, it's too focused on the love triangle. And I guess they're cr- trying to say that. No, no, no. It's Chris Silka. Oh, Madison and Madison. And I was like, yeah. they're trying to say no, like there's no, no, no interest. But I mean, we've talked. Ryan and I have talked about this a lot because I mean, we there's no we've never we don't pine for each other we don't want to be with each other we want to be best friends like we met each other we were basically like yeah we were destined to be like we're like best friend soulmates like we knew that instantly and so we often see like portrayals of male and female relationships that we can't relate to because there's always this underpinning like will they won't they and that we don't relate to that we're both happily married and have zero interest in being with each other um, yeah, it's like, it's like Wallace and Veronica. That would be like, yes. the, that's one of the only like relationships I can think of that didn't do that. Right, where you never ever think that Veronica and Wallace and Veronica Mars are going to end up together or want to be together. They are very good friends and probably one of the many reasons we love that show mm-hmm. is because we go, yeah, okay, this exists and that needs to be portrayed a little bit more that... Because I think that's part of the reasons why, like, both men and women have an innate tendency to be jealous or threatened by closeness that is just friendship. Because we're saturated with media that tells us, well, they say they're just friends, but yeah, if you grew up watching Buffy and you have to deal with deplorable douchebag Xander. (laughs) All the time dating the quote-unquote hottest girl in school and still just wanting to get in Buffy's pants. Or hook up with Willow. Xander's the worst. Yeah, Xander is the worst. If you listen to the Buffering podcast, they really talk about how much Xander is the worst. (laughs) And it used to bother me. I was like, man, they should really cut Xander some slack. And then you watch it. it. No, and then I watch it. I'm like, no, they're right. He is the fucking worst. worst. No, but it's true. And so we're just looking at each other like, oh, God, this guy's the worst. Oh, he's so terrible. And I know he's in the sequel, too. Yeah, just know that that is not in every – that's not what our friendship looks like. That's not how normal friendships should look like. (laughs) There's there's no friendship that I'm going to tell you right now, male or female, if your best friend has ever gone through your underwear drawer – in any circumstance other than, hey, go into my underwear drawer because I have something in there and I need it. Will you get it for me? That's fucking weird. 
And you shouldn't be best friends with that person. I lived in I shared a bedroom with one of my female best friends, Claire. We literally shared a bedroom. We slept like two feet away from each other in twin beds. And we shared, like most girls, we shared a closet. Like, but there, there's lines you don't cross even when you sleep two feet away from each other and you share a closet. Claire never wore my underwear. And if she was digging around in my underwear drawer, I would have been like, Yo, bitch. I, what are you doing? I, what in are my you doing drawer? in my underwear drawer? Like, that's just a line you don't cross. I was just looking at this stuff. I, I, was, I was just looking. I was just. So weird. Yeah, he's he, probably like smelling her underwear like a fucking sicko. I wanted sicko. him to die so bad. <laughs> and he doesn't. I know. I turned to Ryan because he's seen it before. And there there really isn't a whodunit. Like, of course, there could be a twist, but you know that it's Charlie, Charlie Rodder. Yeah, it st- the movie starts with it him murdering. It starts with people. him murdering and then him coming back. And I guess there is an idea, like, oh, it could be a copycat. Is it her dad coming back? I made a joke to Ryan. I'm like, I kind of hope that Derek's just ends up being the killer. That'd be great. He's like, yeah, no, I just hope he fucking dies. He's the worst. Uh, Alex Mann plays Charlie Rotter, who is the killer. And then we have a bunch of, like, minor characters. And not none of these people have done, there aren't, aren't like, worth mentioning what they've done. Yeah, uh, so no one people. really went on to do anything um, you know. other than the ones we've already talked about. Yeah. And even, like, the star of it didn't really go on to do anything. Uh, it's definitely a teen scream. Uh, like, hardcore leans into teen scream. Yeah. And not a super iconic weapon, but he does use a, like, it's like a javelin, kind of. Yeah, so they they make a comp, like, we saw some notes online, and they're like, oh, he takes, like, the pool stick, because there is, like, a pool table in there. So I... Th- One of the characters that he kills even mentions it, like, because they break back into the roller rink, and he's like, the kid is, like, a teenager, and he's, like, making fun of it, and he's like, oh, joust pool cue? Stupid. Yeah. So all... So he uses that a couple times, and then anything that's slightly medieval-related... Mm-hmm. Is kind of what they make iconic. They do kind of, I mean, he bashes some chick's head in with a fire hydrant, which isn't medieval. Definitely no. did not exist. But there's like a javelin and then there's a, a sword, sword that's yeah. like up on the wall. So they kind of they at least like, try and fit in with the theme. Yeah, killer. he's definitely themed weapons yeah. for the most part. Um, so yeah, Charlie Rodder is a killer. He's the owner of the skating rink. Um, he has a super cool mask. Mm-hmm. Like the outfit he wears is really cool because it's like this... It's oh, like this. it's like the what is the name for the guys who are when you're gonna get your head guillotined, like chopped off, and they stand there. An executioner. And yeah, yeah. It's kind of. It's kind of like that mixed with the knight. Yeah. Because uh, it's got like a hood and everything, and it, like the mask is really creepy because it's one of those masks that like looks like a human face, um, just with no like actual you know human detail to it, and it only covers like the top portion of his face. Um, he, like, the beginning of the movie, you spend about 10, 15 minutes in the roller rink with, like, him and his daughter. And, like, he, like, they set up, like, he's obviously, he loves his daughter. Um, he but loves he, his job. He's, like, very passionate about yeah, he's his roller rink. Yeah, he's proud of his He dresses rink. up when it's a birthday party in this costume. So you don't do that unless you really, like, love what you do. Right. And so he, like, and then he kills these two kids. And you find out that he's also killed five other teenagers. And, like, this is all during the opening credits. Uh, it's, like, news reports happening. And Which, you kind of just find out he has, like, a history of mental trauma. Yeah. Um, so there's no, like, super big theme or, like, motive. There's no big, like, motive or backstory. It's really just he has a need to kill. I would say like, the motive is, like, he doesn't like douchey teenagers. He doesn't like people disrespecting his place of work. Yes. 
Um, and he's he is just like mentally unstable. Yes. The body count on screen is eight. Is that yeah? It's got to yeah. be on screen. Um, because he kills five off screen, and it is kind of like gross. He chops them up and puts keeps them in, them in a barrel, barrel in the basement that they find in like yeah the back room. Um. So yeah, the movie. Um. It's I. I like it. I think it's, you know, the reviews are right where they say they spend a lot of time with um, bouncing back and forth between, like, the relationship drama things, but also, like, the kills. Um, the If you check it out on iTunes, it is the uncut version, which is only a couple minutes longer. But, like, right when we started, it was like, oh, it's made for TV, so we're probably not going to get, like, super gory. And the first kill is really gory. The most gory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he... Uh, impales this dude through the back of the head with the broken pool, pool stick, which is like the... It's supposed to be the javelin. Yeah, the javelin. And it, like, full-on shows it. There's yeah. no, like, sil- cut to a silhouette no. or, like, inferring it. It's straight Full, through the back of his head. straight through. Hella bloody. And then off-screen hit the girl he was with, I guess, her necklace snapped. Yeah, but, he's, he and he put... So yeah. he, he puts him in the basement, and then he's caught um, by the police and taken away... And then, like, during those opening credits, we find out that supposedly his ambulance crashed and he's dead. Yes. Um, like, his, they were transferring him somewhere and he died. So now we're with Skye, like, eight, I think it's, like, eight or nine years later. Yeah, why she's in high school. She's an outcast. All she, She's the really pretty outcast. Yeah, she's different than yeah. most girls. She's not your typical girl. Because she has a murderous father. Yeah. Um, she's, she is very pretty. Yeah. Um, and she's incredibly talented. She's an artist. And I don't, like, I don't even remember, even though we just watched it, how her, like, it's funny because she's a sophomore or junior at this point in the high school. And, like, her and Brig just, like, bump into each other and go, oh, oh, hey. Hey. Oh, hey. And, like, like, they've never seen each other Like, on the staircase. Yeah. Yeah. They bump into each other. And he's like, oh, what's up? It's your sky, right? Like, man. Yeah, uh, we should hang out. And it's kind of, like, a little sudden. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, our mean girl, who is Madison, and her... We find out that Madison and Brig were together, but they've broken up, and Brig is just a really nice guy. He is, like, a jock. He's, like, he's the like, not stereotypical. Yeah, the, not, the nice one who just, like, no, I just really like football. Like, the typical, like, no, I just really like football, but I'm not into that whole scene. Um, and we find out that he still really cares about Madison and, like, wants to be there for her birthday and as a friend, but he doesn't want to be with her. And he's talking to Skye, and you can tell, like, sparks are flying, and he wants to, like, talk with her more. Yeah, the whole thing happens over the course of a weekend. Also, there's, like, right in the beginning, there's that weird, I don't know if you caught it, but she's, like, at home drawing, and her aunt is, like hates that she's there yes so but, like they never touch that no no no. Again. they just like play with this sort of like and i don't know if there's an i know it's funny we literally just watch it i don't know if there's like a monologue over it but she makes some comment like oh my aunt like doesn't want me here because she feels like i'm cursed like i'm a burden um and i just am a reminder of what my dad did kind of like she doesn't, she doesn't fit in at school, and she's not wanted at home. So they really try and drive in this, like, outcast for her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, she, I thought that part was funny, because the aunt walks in, and she's just like, get up. And I'm like, and then it's never Yeah, I don't like, think her aunt's it? even in it again. No, she's not. I'm like, yeah. that was weird that that yeah. was in there. Uh, but okay. Like I said, I think it really was just trying to drive the point where she doesn't feel like she fits in anywhere. Not at home. Like, she's this orphan who is kind of lost. And yes. I think that that's 
part of them doing that is trying to make her closeness with Derek more endearing. Like, he's all she has. And then when she does, when Brig does reach out to her and is kind of, like, interested in, like, we should be, like, extra, like, wow, that's, like, a big deal for her. I think it's the intention of it is to have a little bit more stake in who she is and feel a little bit more for the fact that she does kind of have this like psycho dad. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that works and, and it, it's a made for TV movie that is geared towards teenage girls. Like we have to see it for that. In 2009. In 2009. End of the emo MySpace Yeah, she has a scene mullet for sure. So like the angsty thing was big. Like I, I totally. It It was that phase where girls posted on MySpace and they're like, I'm, different it's i'm just really uh oh what was the word random yeah i'm just really random it totally fits like the era yeah it's great it's like kind of a time capsule back to my super yeah it is like very much a time capsule (laughs) i was like i think i had that haircut so after we get like our intro like our intro of charlie rodder and then sky at school and we see she's like the outcast madison has like her mean girl click and we find out that you know her dad is super loaded and he bought the roller rink to throw her a 16th birthday, even though it's been closed down since Charlie She Rodder. said, like, oh, it'll be iconic. This is so cool. So they, like, they're going to turn it into, like, a club, pretty much, yeah. um, for her 16th birthday. They, like, hire a DJ, and, like, it's got, you know, they turn it into a dance floor, and it's got, like, this, like, sexy silk sheet area yeah. for some Oh, like, so reason. much. Like, it, they make the place, like, huge. And, it's, and there's, like, some scenes, like... They do spend a lot of time, like, before we get to more killing. Um, So it's a typical slasher setup. We have our opening kill scene with characters that don't matter to the plot. We jump forward. Like, this is literally a play-by-play, the most slasher, like, formula you can get. So we start with our scene, introduces how our killer started. We have a jump forward with a family member. Um, That family member is, like, you know, having issues. That's Sky. Um, Jump to our party scene. Um, and that is when, you know, our killer is going to return at the big climax party scene is what, what happens. Um, Madison has this, like, sketchy party planner. And, like, in between, we get our typical teen scream stuff. Like, there's a whole shower scene where Madison's, like, super mean to Sky and steals her clothes. And she has to, like, come out of the gym in just a towel. So there's, like, that. They really, they're trying to get you to be, like, Madison's the worst. She hates Sky. Because Sky's different. That's the only reason why she hates her. They definitely show you, like, she's just the worst. Like, there's there are numerous scenes where she's, like, with her dad. And she's, like, her dad flew this guy out from Europe or, like, New York with, like, these dresses. And she's, like, what's she call him? She's, like, homemade milf wear, I think yeah, she calls like, the clothes. Yeah, like, just, like, oh, God, this, like, stay-at-home wife wear. Like, I don't want And this. she, like, wants a sushi cake and not a cake that looks like sushi, but an actual, like, Cake like, made out of little pieces of, pieces of sushi. Of sushi. So they like really drive home like she's that she, the worst spoiled yeah, brat piece the of garbage. Biggest, like they super. What's crazy is I want to say they super exaggerate the stereotype, but after you actually, if you ever saw my but, super yeah, sweet you're sixteen, like, no, this is just that's one of real. The, yeah. This really happens. It's crazy, um, which is insane. Yeah, she has like two groupies, like her best friends, and she just treats them. They're like They're just shit. lackeys. Yeah. yeah, they literally just do her bidding. So. Uh, the there's a shady guy that might once we get to like the big party scene like ryan's saying it's at the roller rink and there's like a really extravagant setup 
Uh, she has this like party planner. I don't think he has a name. No, his I, name is Party Planner. Yeah. Like in the credits, I really this is the only scene I like Madison in. Yeah, she's like telling him what she wants, and she's all you know bitchy about it or whatever. She's like, "This is what I want. This is what you're gonna do." And he's like, "Cool, baby, whatever." And then he tries to kiss her, and she like literally is like, "I mean, she doesn't cuss, but because it's made for TV." But basically, she's like, "What the fuck? I'm 16, dude." Yeah, and, like creepy. You're 30, and like you're like 30. She says that I'm 16. I'm a child. And that's the part that I do genuinely like about this is that they don't sexualize her at all. They're like, no, I'm a child. You are 30. Gross. And when she, like, storms off, he's like, joke's on you. I'm 34. And I'm like, oh, gross. Yeah, he's the worst. So he's actually the next to die, too. Um, So that, like, that night he... Um, like pretty much after she storms off yeah after she yeah. storms off he gets a spear into the stomach yeah, so he's dead like javelin thing. um so yeah. he is the next to die and then the the re- like um a, like most of the rest of the movie is like setting up kind of like where all the kills are going to happen because that you have your sky and Derek break in they're not supposed to be there but they like they crash the party and um sky is like flirting with brig pretty much and Derek is trying to get you know laid um and he ends up like kind of meeting up with this girl who is i guess like the bad girl because she's like drinking and she's yeah. you know, underage obviously and she's like she is friends with madison but she doesn't like madison like she lily just or does something. it yeah her name's lily um but you know like most of most of it is like showing off madison's friends who all suck yeah. And this guy, Kevin. And endearing Brig in the process because he's literally just there, like, just trying to be there for Madison because he cares about her and they're just trying to endear him. Yeah. And they're, like, really showing off how much everyone else. Like, like when B said it's a formulaic slasher, like, it is, like, when you think of, like, when you think of a slasher and you start, like, building it in your head and you're like, yeah, the characters that die are, like, the, the ones these, who are misbehaving. Yeah, and, like, these, like, asshole characters. They're the they're the body count fodder. Yeah, where you, that shift that you make. So there's going to be, like, your final girl and, like, usually her love interest. Or usually, like, the last two you, or three kills are the ones that you, like, don't want to have. Yeah, because but the, the characters rest, you, like. you, they want you to make kind of that shift where you're kind of rooting for your, sla- like, your slasher killer. Where you're kind of like, yeah, get them. Like, fuck that guy. I hope they die. Like, in a really cool way. And then you see it. And then you're like, yeah. So, that's always the part that's kind of weird about slashers. Is that you you have to be able to flip back and forth between rooting for the killer with certain characters. But then really fighting for the survival of Mm -hmm. the the characters that are your final. Your final girl and boy and whoever. So Kevin is like, a, he's a wide receiver for the football team. No, he's just a receiver. Right. They never he's, say why. Right. He a, just says, a re- I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. And they make some gay joke yeah, about it. Yeah, they do. It's bad. Um, I think, oh, uh, Madison says, like. No, it's it's Brig and Sky, and, like, Brig's being nice to Sky, but, you know, Kevin's like, oh, she sucks because she's, like, the emo girl. And he says something. She's like, yeah, you can go hang out with your football buddy, blah, blah, blah. And, and like, he says something. She's like, God, do you have a crush on him? And he, and then he says something else. He's like, like, I'm his receiver. Yeah, I'm his receiver. And then they, like, look at each other and just start laughing. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Joke. No, they make that. And then also Madison legitimately says this is retarded. Oh, there's some not great. Yeah. I mean. Typical, like, kind of 2009, like, before PC really yeah, the mainstream. yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that I was like, ooh. They're like, yeah, they're trying to, their their goal is to make her look bad, but guess what? You did that just fine. It, it is like you said, it, it, though, like, 
it's a time capsule of it the era. Is. Like, unfortunately, yeah. that was super common at uh-huh. the time. Um, but he's the next to die because he uh, he realizes that they're there. He traps Derek downstairs in the basement where, like, they used to up. keep. Yeah, he beats him up, traps him down there where they used to keep, like, where Charlie used to keep the bodies in the barrel. And then he finds Charlie Rogers costume, so he puts it on and, and goes scare to. Sky. Yeah, he goes to fuck with her. So, like. He's standing up above on, like, the second floor, and she sees him, so she goes up to, she like... She thinks it's her dad. Yeah, she, she goes up, and she, she literally dad. is, like, daddy, and, like, reaches for the face mask, and he, he takes it off and gives, like, the worst... <laughs> Manical laugh. Yeah, it's like, ah ah I'm like, what the fuck is this he guy doing? like a demon, baby. <laughs> well, that's how he laughs. Um... But then he dies by the actual Charlie Rodder. He gets choked with a chain, beaten repeatedly with a spike bald mace. Uh, which, again, is fitting in the medieval theme. Yes. Which I really enjoyed. Uh, we continue, basically, like, the rest of the movie is pretty much just, like, Madison's friends trying to mess with Sky when yeah. they find out that she's there. So um, Lily spills, like, a drink on Sky so that she's forced to go to the bathroom where Chloe is hiding with a fire extinguisher and she's going to, like, you know, um, use the fire extinguisher on her. So she hears noise, comes out, blows it. And it's so funny, too, because, like, she, like, empties the fire extinguisher onto someone. And then she's like, Sky? Like, they're friends. She's like, yeah. Sky? Is that? Sky, come on. And I was like, you hate this person. Yeah. It was, I don't know, it was very odd for me, like, yeah. the way she reacted. And then you find out that it is not Sky, it is Charlie. And he beats the shit out of her with a fire extinguisher. Like- it was super brutal. Like, they don't show a lot, but you literally, they don't show her head, but they show Charlie, like, going down and down and down and down and down and down. I'm like, oh my God, he's like still he, going. Yeah, he, like, like hits he's her in the head, and she slams her head against the toilet, and she's, like, laying up against the toilet, and, like, the, the door to the uh, stall is opening and closing, so we're seeing him, like, lift up and go down, and, like, it's closing. And he just keeps going down. And there's just, like, blood all yeah, over Yeah, and the then floor. they show, like, the drain and, like, her blood, like, kind of going down through the tile uh it's it's very brutal and like i'm surprised i mean it we it is an uncut version but from what i read the only it did air on mtv at one point the un the uncut version yeah and the only differences were the mouth kill was more brutal and then there's another kill um oh no when she finds kevin's body because when she's she's like running through a staircase later and his innards are hanging out oh yeah and in the in the tv cut it's like that long but in the like uncut version it stays on it for longer uh so they got away with especially for like oh nine they got away with a surprising amount of like it's rated tv 14 and it's like seems more graphic than that like a pg-13 it's pretty brutal yeah Yeah. i mean i guess it would be pg-13 but like pushing it yeah um especially just like on tv in like at seven o'clock it just seemed like really yeah. really brutal uh so chloe's the next to die and then lily is like the, the other girl. lackey no or no no she's the olivia girl. is the lackey olivia's lackey lily right. is like kind she's the one who hooks up with Derek. she's kind of like befriend sky where they like kind of make her likable but then she can't be likable because she does things she's not supposed to like underage drinking she's like drunk at the party she like stumbles outside and is like 
Oh, fucking Madison got a brand oh new car my God, that was for horrible. her. Oh, Ryan freaked out. Got a brand new car, and then she keys on the hood, and they have like the key sound. Like, they do the whole like it's not like. And she does oh. happy sweet sixteen, and Ryan the whole time is like, "Why would they put the sound in?" And he's like covering his ears like a little baby. I, I did have to cover that noise is so. But it doesn't awful. even sound yes, exactly it like oh it. Oh my God, it's so no, bad. No, you're hurt fine. My brain. Anywho, it she, was so terrible. She keys in the car and. And then she just is like giggling and like stumbling. They give her like a Marissa Cooper, like, oh, I don't give a fuck, blah, blah, blah. Yes. She's like sitting in front of the car and then the car starts. And she's like, what? What? What's going on? And then she like stumbles a little bit and you think that she's going to get pinned up against the wall with the car, but she gets away. She takes off her heels, which, which I, I love. She throws her heels and she just bolts it. And she hits, like, a dead end with stairs, and she's, like, going up the stairs in this alley, and it's going up to, like, a main road, like an overpass, but there's, like, barbed wire, and she can't get across, and you just have um, Charlie, like, chasing her, and he gets up the stairs, and he fucking slits her throat with a sword, mm-hmm. and, yeah, pretty brutal, too. Um, yeah, like, that whole that whole chase that was whole pretty was, yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, but, like, it's funny, like, <laughs> B was saying, because, so she... She's reaching around this door. It's like one of those doors that um, they put like the the like kind of spikes on it to so people can't like just reach across. Yeah. But she's like she can almost get there, and it's a pretty big drop. But B, that's like B was saying, and I've always thought that too. She's like, just go for it because you're going to die anyways, and who knows what they might yeah. do to you if they actually get you. Like, what if they're super creepy and they want to do weird things to your body? Yeah, like, that's what my thought was. Like, if I was being chased by a guy knowing that he was going to kill me, and I looked at Ryan, I'm like, this is a perfect example. I would be like, I'm going to jump and try and get on the other side because no matter what, if I jump and I fall, I've just killed myself trying to escape. If I don't jump and he catches me, he's going to kill me. But he also might do something else. He might capture me. He might keep me in a basement and keep me as his little slave for, like, the rest of my life. Because that happens. Yeah. Like, in real life. Yeah. Not just in horror movies. Um, He might rape me. He might, like, uh, slowly, like, kill me instead of kill me instantly. Like, you don't know. So I'd rather face, like, I'm going to do everything I can to get away from this guy, even if I could die doing it, versus... Who knows what this psychopath's gonna do to me? Hopefully, he just slits my throat. Hopefully, yeah, yeah you're hoping for that at yeah. that point. Um, Olivia's the next one to die. Oh, dude, her kill is dope. So she <laughs> dope. She is looking for uh, Chloe, and she oh it, yes, oh god, this one's so good. Yeah, this she, is like the 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 height of the movie yeah it's her birthday her sushi cake is coming out they're rolling out the sushi cake everyone's singing happy birthday to her like her parents are there like everyone's staring at her and uh olivia has realized that chloe is dead so she's skating out to the rink to like scream for help and like sky sees her and realizes something's wrong and right before she gets to like the floor of the skating rink charlie comes out from behind a corner with an axe and decapitates her not super gory. Um, we see we do see the head, which was surprising too. Yeah. Again, and like but not a, a lot of blood. But you do no, see her yeah. head roll out. We see her head roll out, and then the best part: yeah. her body with no head attached to it just slowly rolls roller dead skates. weight roller on skates. roller skates, rolls straight into the sushi cake. The entire party erupts, like oh my god! And then what's Madison do? She's like, 
you ruined my cake. And she starts screaming. She's like, why are people leaving? This party's not over. And like, Sky, this is all your fault. And I'm like, okay. They really drive home. Like, this girl sucks. She is the most selfish. Like, her best friend has been murdered. And... But because she ran into her birthday cake and ruined her party, that's all she cares about. And she somehow is like, oh, Sky, this is your fault because, like, you did this. Yeah, because you were born and your dad is a psychopath. This is your fault. So there's, like, a big – everyone's running out of the skating rink. Um, Derek and – Derek and Brig are outside. They realize that Sky is still inside, so they – get back in and then olivia and sky are like running from charlie together like sky is even though olivia is the absolute worst like sky, madison or madison sorry yeah sky and madison are running away from charlie and sky's trying to help even though madison has been nothing but shitty toward the entire movie um but they do eventually so there's like there is like a confrontation scene where like derek distracts her dad by playing like dj music and then like brig kind of fights him but they both get like thrown out. Yeah, he like falls off the balcony. You think he's dead. Yeah, you think you think Brig, Brig is, is dead, dead, and Derek gets like literally Charlie throws because Charlie's about to kill Derek, and Sky goes, "He's my friend." Yeah. So Charlie throws him out of the skating rink and like locks him outside. Um, because I did like that touch because it was like Charlie is killing all these people that are awful and awful to his daughter, but when she was like, "No, that's, that's my, my friend," friend. he yeah. let him live because. Even through the like psychopathic stuff that Charlie's doing, there's still that it's family for connection. his daughter. Yeah. yeah. So like the fact that it's her friend, he keeps Derek alive, even though he should have died because he's the worst. So you think Briggs dead? Um, he ties up um, both Sky and Madison. Yeah, he ties them up and he like unties Sky because he wants her to kill Madison. So he, like, gives her He wants this... to kind of, like, pass down, like, okay, now it's your turn to get vengeance. Like, these... Exactly, I'm yeah. killing because these people have been disrespectful mm-hmm. to me. She has been disrespectful to you. Now this is what you need to do. So he, like, hands her the knife because uh, Madison's just sitting there insulting her. And she hands her the knife. And despite all of it, like, Skye pretends she's going to stab Madison and stabs Charlie through the leg. And then while she's trying to help madison Mad- the whole time madison's just like hurry up you idiot like oh my god this is all your fault like you moron when we get out of here i'm gonna make sure your life is like a living hell blah 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 and then so she she successfully enticed her they're downstairs uh downstairs in like that cage off area in the basement um she successfully enticed her madison pushes sky down and like is like going to run away, but Charlie grabs Madison's leg, and Sky just leaves her. She leaves. She like goes to the cage, like gets out of the cage, and just shuts it and locks it. Um, she locks Madison in the cage. Yeah, with yeah, Charlie. with Charlie. Yeah, and like the cops are on their way, and she knows that. It's it's. I, I want to watch the second one again because I know they play into that a little of like of Sky wondering. Am I a psychopath as well? Because she yeah. does leave Madison there, and I don't like that. It, I did not enjoy that. No, that's it's not a, a final rule. Does not do that. No, and it's a weird twist. But that's why I want to see the second one because I think I really feel like they might have written these around like back to back or like at the same time because with a specific it does plan. yeah with that specific idea of like we're going to explore 
this guy like Charlie. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, she does straight up leave her there. She didn't have to. But she, like, locks her in with Charlie, and Charlie kills Madison. Yeah, she could have just locked Charlie in there. But instead, you know, she's like, oh, fuck, she just killed Madison. Yeah. And they, sure enough, when the cops get there, you come downstairs, and you see that Madison's, like, throat's been slit. Yeah, and And Charlie's gone, right? No, Charlie's in there, I think. I thought Charlie got away at the end. Oh, I don't know. Um, And Madison, and then... (laughs) In, like, a kind of cheesy, no, really cheesy, Sky, like, takes Madison's car and drives yeah. away. And that's how the movie ends. So it's, like, kind of this twist no. of... Then you have this, like, faux dream sequence. Oh, I forgot about that. With yeah. Brig. So Brig wakes hospital. up in the hospital, and, like, he thinks Sky's there, and then she fucking... He's like... He, she, dude, it's a dream, but she stabs him, like, 40 yeah. times. We're like, oh, my God, she keeps going. And that's not an exact, it's like, yeah. it's like at least 20 times. Yeah. And just keeps like, stabbing him. Stab, 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 stab. And then he wakes up, and he's like, Sky, and and um, the nurse is like, no one's seen her since the party. And then he looks over, and there's, like, a drawing of herself that she left there, so he, like, knows that she's okay. But that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Um. But the scene with her, like, driving away in the Beamer is super cheesy. And, like, yeah. like, it's a weird thing because the whole movie, like, Sky is, like, this very, like, um, like, very quiet to herself, introspective, artistic person. Not and, very confident. No, and she also is, like, really, she doesn't like, like, the history that of everything. And, like, she's struggled with all this stuff because she loves her father but, like, realizes. And then, like... You even spend, like, most of the movie, like, Sky never has any ill will towards these people and even tries to help Madison. So it's kind of, like, a, I understand it because, like I said, I need to watch the second one again. And if they had the idea of, like, we're going to explore if Sky is, like, closer to Charlie than she might think. But it's a really, like, quick, weird uh, personality shift. Yeah. Of, like, nope, you're dead now. Yeah. Like, because she's been spending her whole life pretty much mm-hmm. not trying to be that person. Well, exactly. And... As terrible and shitty as Madison is just a bully. She -hmm. really is just a bully. She was not helping Charlie kill. She wasn't doing anything severely malicious that would cause you to be like, no, she needs to die. Like, there are certain points that I feel like you can forgive a final girl for being like no 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 that person like isn't worth saving or not worth dying or they have to kill them because they played some role in the death of other people yeah but that doesn't happen no nope. madison is a bad per like she's not a nice person and she is a bully and she was unfair to sky but literally but the worst thing madison does to sky other than so- insult her is she steal steals her, her clothes. clothes and she just has to go out in a towel so sky murders her yeah Essentially. Yes. So it was a really so hard I was left. Like, I was like, oh, what yeah. happened here? And uh, I get it if like that plays into what they want to do with the... And that is probably one of the flaws of it being a TV movie. Because sometimes franchises will do that too where they really are setting you up for that next one. But you still have to assume that people might only watch... You one. also have to assume, yeah, exactly. You have to assume people might only see one, or that you are only going to get one. It's yeah, it, that's it why has like, to play it's, as its own. And my guess is, I mean, we don't know this, but because Ryan brings up a big, a good point. My guess is they probably signed a three movie contract and knew that they had three movies. Yeah, because they literally came out 
09, 10, and 11. I yeah. think they came out consecutively at Halloween three years in a row. So probably they they already had the, it didn't matter how well it did, the second two were coming I out. I would have to guess so too, because especially by like the time the last one came out, that, that show, My Super Sweet 16, wasn't a thing anymore. No. So yeah. they had to at least have some sort of foresight. And as far as I remember, because I did watch them at one point back to back to back, I do remember, there's like, an arc like yeah. sky has an arc and i know brig is in i think both the uh, sequels and derek is yeah, i think he dies in the second one but i, I th- he's in it as well um so yeah that's my super psycho sweet 16 uh made for tv movie that was uh pleasantly surprised like it like i liked it i think that it's like i i think i like it because of the age we grew up in yeah. um and it very much like does a good job at capturing kind of like the TV of the time, a little bit of like a, a very exaggerated version of like how teenagers were at the time. Um, I think that like I think the director and the writers actually did a pretty good job at like not just playing it off as like oh this is some horror movie for MTV, but like oh this is a, like we're going to try to have a somewhat creepy slasher like successful like it's bloody the theme is cool i really love the roller rink setting um Mm -hmm. i like that like i like charlie's whole gimmick i don't think he's like a super interesting character at all but like his you don't know enough about him yeah yeah which Um, is probably on purpose the funny thing is is like this is more like a formulaic slasher than we've probably analyzed so far it's probably the closest to like the traditional. The slasher. traditional. Other like, than like, I feel like my buddy Valentine's pretty good at that. Um, well, yes, because but that is what start well, one of the integral. This is what started that. Yes, exactly. Like, but my buddy uh, Valentine is almost like the blueprint. Yes, so, exactly. So, um, other than that, though, yeah, I agree. It's probably like the most like um, by the numbers. Slasher. Yeah, by like, the numbers. Take this formula. Where we start with our kill, like, because if you look up, and we talk about this a lot, and I actually saw it brought up on Twitter, and I talk about it with my husband a lot, what is a slasher? And there is the vague definition where it is a um, sort of a menace stalking a group of people and kills them with a bladed weapon. weapon. That is your basic generic slasher definition, and of course there could be variations on that. Uh, but within that, a very common structure is that you start with initial kill, you do a time jump, that time jump involves a relative, that is another thing that's very specific, but often the case, um, involves a relative, there is, um, stalking going on, Mm -hmm. and then there is a party scene that the rest of the killing and most of the killing takes place at. Right. And then you have one singular character, usually the one that is the family member or somehow related to the events that happened in the beginning that ends up being your final girl. That is the basic, like, paint-by-number structure that movies like My Bloody Valentine. There wasn't, like, a family member um, aspect. That's, like, Halloween um, has the family member aspect. Scream. Uh, Scream does. Uh... But it is still the set, set kills, um, time jump, get to know your characters, stalking, party scene, killing, yep. finale. Yeah. And like, and that's... this movie does that, which is awesome. And I think one of the reasons why, if you can't, like, 
Brian and I think are going to be more partial to it because, like I said, that movie came out when I was in high school. Mm. Um, so I was the catered audience. We were part of sort of that MTV, like, kind of scene at the time. Like, that really played into us. Like, we listened to All American Rejects and AFI and, you know... Uh, so we're going to have, uh, some, a little bit of nostalgia for it because it's a little bit of a time a, capsule to our yeah, youth. and a built-in bias. Um, exactly. So understanding that the, the high school scenes and, and the dialogue and the music, uh, is going to play to us a little bit more than the average viewer mm-hmm. or viewers who are not millennials in our age range. But because of the paint by number slasher structure that they set up, the fact that they set up a theme killer, um, that they give you uh, characters who behave badly that you kind of want to die, but then they also give you like that sweet boy next door and the outsider final girl, like you you like it as a slasher, you like it as a movie, mm-hmm. even if you don't really necessarily care for the other parts. You think the dialogue's a little silly. You think the high school aspects are too silly. It's the slashing like- of it is really cool, and it's it's really cool. Is not the right. It is cool. Uh, the kills are interesting. Um, they do have gore. I think what I'm trying to like drive home is that um, it's not just cool. It's God, I'm like blinking on the the word I'm trying to. It's authentic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, and I think like we've talked about it with other movies too. It's like you have to consider like what did they do with the budget they have because it definitely feels like a small scale. Uh-huh. It takes place in like realistically three places, but this, like mm-hmm. the roller rink was cool. They make it seem big, um, and so like you have to think. And it's a made for TV movie, which plays into it too. And something we try to do, and we're like going over like the list and everything. Like we look at different things. We're looking at. Or was our killer cool? Or like, how was their motive? What? How did we feel about like our final girl or boy? Um, how did we feel about the actual like were the kills cool? Like, if there is a whodunit aspect, how well did it work? Like different things like that. Um, what makes this movie a good slasher? Right, and and so and it's we have a lot of like fun stuff planned too. Like, I can't wait to keep doing this because we have like some supernatural slashers that we want to deal with that are going to be like maybe movies that you wouldn't necessarily think of, and like we want to do some like. What they're called proto slashers um so that's like another thing we want to get into um but yeah this is a very like formulaic slasher if you look at our list uh so it's at keepscreaming.com uh slash the dash list um it's 13 movies long now last place is april fool's day go back and listen to that episode so you can find out why because we actually really enjoy that movie um and first place is my bloody valentine from 1981 um so looking at this like this at the like I said at the top of the episode, at the end of every episode, decide where it should go on the list. Um, so the original My Bloody Valentine is number one. Happy Death Day is number two. Urban Legends three. My Bloody Valentine 3D, the remake in 09, um, is number four. Hatchet is number five. Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, from 1984 is number six. Most Likely to Die is number seven. Eight is Intruder. Nine is Blood Rage. Ten is Curtains. Eleven is Terror Train. Twelve is Slaughter High. Thirteen is April Fool's Day. Uh, so this will be our 14th movie. Um, looking at it, looking at the list, I think I'm looking at like nine ten area. Hmm. What do you think? Oh, I'm thinking way higher. Really? Oh yeah. I'm thinking like five six. I think okay. It's nowhere. It's not as good as Silent Night Deadly Night. It's not. Or Hatchet. 
I I don't think it's there it's as good of a movie, but as a slasher. I think there's still too many parts. Even as a slasher, it has some cool kills. I think its budget holds it back, but it still has really cool kills. But I think the the killer is the motive super, of the killer. The motive not. sucks. Um, his gimmick is super cool. His motive sucks, and like it's really hard to look. Silent Night, Deadly Night has possibly one of the best motives of a killer, Correct. and the setup of that. So it's really hard to overlook that. And then Hatchet just does like. You know, like, to me, it's, like, you crank the amp up to 11, and it's, like, Hatchet is, like, a slasher on coke. It's just, like, balls to the wall, gore, um, really fun, and knows it's really fun, and runs with it. So, I do, I do actually agree with you that, like, it works very well as a slasher. There's no whodunit aspect. I don't... Also, another thing that, like, lowers it a little for me is the weird plot twist with sky at the end yeah to me it makes her more like she's almost unlikable uh-huh because of that in the whole movie no and she's I'm never like you. it she's almost n- like deters me from her because i'm like you don't do that you she, don't kill people she's never like super likable to begin with she's like kind of a vessel um that's why okay i could see like i could see it around like most likely to die because i don't think the character from that is super likable either i don't think the motive in that is super great I think, but we do really like the who the whodunit aspect. We like of, the whodunit, the we thought the kills were cool and cool th- so uh, kills. I'm I would be okay. I personally like it more than most likely today. I think yeah, the roller rink setting is super cool. I think I love like the k- killer's costume, but they don't do as much with it as they could. Um, from most likely to die and like i really like in this like i think the killer's costume is really cool and i think it's i like that they do the javelin and the sword and the mace mace, yeah all things that are medieval themed and then like it's well but in most likely die all the kills have to do with their yearbook right superlative so it does like tie in but i do really enjoy in this one just um how like you can tell that the writer and the director like slasher movies like you can tell that from like how this movie plays out i don't know i i'm thinking like you think seven you think it's above <sighs> most likely to die see it's really hard because like, i love intruder too um I know, but that's the thing about the list is like if we rate this as our favorites this list is completely different yeah and i didn't think watching this i'm like yeah i'm biased probably gonna like this more than most of the people listening but I didn't realize until we went into it how true of a slasher it is. Mm-hmm. We do miss out, like, I agree, the motive's not amazing. Um, and uh, either it is and most likely to die. Uh, not great in Intruder either. Like, a lot of the movies we've done, like, the, you're right. Silent Night, Deadly Night, the motive is, like, the best that we've gone over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you. Like, it needs to be after that um, for various reasons. But that, like... Tried and true formula that is set up by our number one, My Bloody Valentine, is so present in this film, even more so than in Most Likely Die, which you, I like that movie more than you do. Yes. I, I have a, a soft spot for it. Really liked it. Um, a couple times in, I've really liked it. Uh, I I think it's, it's a little bit too hard to ignore um, their reliance on the slasher formula and my super psycho sweet 16 to put it any lower right 
Um, I'm okay with putting it at seven. Okay. Because I like it more than most likely to die as well. I think it works more as a slasher. Yes. And I... Yeah. I like... I look at, like, what, why we put the, you know, like, most likely to die number seven. Modern slasher for post-scream era. Uh, it's great theme killer, enjoyable kills, not much in substance. So, like, all of those things speak true to my Super Psycho Sweet 16 Correct. as well. And it says it's enjoyable rewatchable, also true of my Super Psycho. Brings nothing new to the genre, which is also true to my Super Psycho Sweet 16. But the difference is, is it's very much more in tune with the genre. Correct. Like, it's very much more in, like in line with what we look at from a sla- for from a slasher and like what we enjoy from slashers and yes it shouldn't yeah. be the kills aren't as cool as most likely died because of its hindrance of being a tv movie right but and i think that is one of the things that pushes most likely to die up on our list forever because of the theme superlative kills that are still very gory yeah. That's it's going to be hard for a lot of movies to beat that. That's what that movie does the best. Mm-hmm. Um so we can't that that is what uh and really isn't even lacking it that much but my Super Psycho Sweet 16 is kind of lacking that the most because of the hindrance of it being a TV movie. But, but we still, still do yeah, it yeah. and they still we get a we get a good chase scene. Yeah. Um we get a decapitation. Um, a decapitation with fucking roller skates which we didn't talk about our favorite kill. Oh my god, yeah. So um, no, my favorite kill is, I, I mean, I do love the decapitation, but I, for the pure sake of kind of like, I can't believe you did that on TV and also how like gory and good it is. My favorite kill is the first kill, like yeah, the, javelin the javelin through the, through mouth. the mouth. mouth. I think it's really good. It's like, yeah. it sets it up it, it lets you, it kind of like to me, because that movie even starts kind of like, Hey, this is an MTV movie. Blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of sets you up with like. But, like, we're going there. Yeah, like, we're, but we're, do- we're, we're just Degrassi. Yeah. <laughs> we go there. Yeah. Um. So that's my favorite kill in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the decapitation, but I think the brutality of the fire... Um, extinguisher. Extinguisher yeah. kill, I just can't get over. Like, how... I was just like, oh, God. Yeah, and props it was brutal. to... Um, I didn't... I forgot his name already. But the guy who plays Charlie Rodder, Alex Van, like, he definitely pulls off a certain type of, like, ferocity with, like, yeah. no dialogue. Yeah. Almost at all um he has a very like piercing stare uh okay yeah i'm okay with it being seven yeah can't be above silent yeah i agree you're right uh Uh, but yes number seven then so it will be our new number seven um and april fool's day is still last uh my bloody valentine is still first it will be for a a long time probably um and then we have a movie picked out so if you guys want to watch it and follow along with us uh in two weeks we will be back with a movie called hellbent 2004 which is from 2004 and it uh halloween themed yeah based on halloween night yeah uh and it prides itself as the first gay slasher movie Um, plot is a group of gay guys go like gay friends go out for halloween night and mayhem ensues when like a devil killer comes after them yeah i've ne- I, I think i've heard of it but i've never i definitely never seen the cover um and like i sent the picture to be i was like this one and she's like yeah that's the one and i was like man the devil that devil dude is super ripped because <laughs> it's just like the cover is like an eye about to get stabbed but then like in the background it's like this devil and he has no shirt on and he's just got like a 20 pack and i was like shit that devil's ripped 
Um, that devil ripped. But yeah, that's going to be our next one. And then after that, we're trying to decide. We got into a big drunken debate last night with <laughs> friends about what we're going to do for the summer because we really want to hit you guys with some like super fun summer theme stuff. But again, we run into that problem of like, do we do the burning on Friday the 13th like that soon? And we still don't really know how we're going to tackle the Friday series, um, like such big series. So we're deciding. Like in this movie where the first one even starts to rely on its sequels. So that twist at the end we know plays into two and three. So it's really hard to talk about one without talking about two and three. So just having a hard time wrapping our head around like, oh, if we do Friday the 13th, we really want to hit one of the big franchises. Uh, We want to talk about them. We want people who aren't super into more of the obscure stuff we're watching to be able to listen to it and like get excited over one of the big guys that they love um but how do we talk about friday the 13th without talking about two and three and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and the remake and Freddy vs. Jason and how do we do that with without having to watch all the movies and fit it into one episode or or spend the next half a year talking about Friday the 13th. So I mean I know we've mentioned this before if you guys have suggestions of how you would like to hear us talk about it let us know. I think we've kind of decided that we might just tackle one at a time in order and when we get to them we get to them mm-hmm. and th- that that will come. Um, I kind of think that's really our only choice. Uh, We're going to start with Jason X and work backwards. (laughs) We're not going to do that. We have to watch that movie eventually. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. It just celebrated its sweet 16 last week. Jason X did? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I I posted it on Twitter. If you guys like Jason X, tweet at us. I would like to know why. Just tell me why. I'm not opposed. Like, I'm not going to be, like, super douchebag and be like, no, that movie sucks and you suck for liking it. But I want to know why because I've tried. Like we (laughs) said in this episode, like, I'm going back on – I bought the eight-pack set on blue. And, like, I went back and I really enjoyed, like, parts four through six, which I used to was, like, I used to not care about. And I'm like, you know what? I actually really – like, these movies have a lot of fun things and, like, cool things going on for them. And I've tried, man. I – I, like, unabashedly love Freddy vs. Jason. And I know that movie gets a lot of hate. I fucking love that movie. I need to know what you like about Jason X. Um, Side note, guys. Yeah, I just need to know. Um, Anyways, you can uh, find the podcast on iTunes or on uh, CastBox or on Stitcher. I think we're on Stitcher. Or KeepScreaming.com or PodPeople.me. Yes, and so we're at all those places. You can follow us online at Keep Screaming uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And then, of course, our personal Twitter accounts are at Ryan Larson and at B Not B. And we will be back in two weeks with Hellbent. So if you guys want to keep up with that, you can. Um, I'm also going to be on the Scream 101 podcast with Brennan in like a couple weeks. And we're going to be covering the movie Dead and Buried. So keep your ears open for that. It'll be hitting soon-ish. Um, but we will be back in two weeks. And until then, keep screaming.